0: I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your on ready? I came like out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with the lead. Only they tackle them in the corner. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can! What's going on, Lee? And welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. Proud members of the Full Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF PodNet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. And you can find my co-host for the day, Mr. Matthew Fox, at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. We are one of many great podcasts and likes of Jim Day of FF Champs, Adam Ronis, and Dr. Roto from Sirius XM Radio. Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarlane, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of other great podcasts, and you can find all of them on FullTimeFantasy.com. For today's episode, as I mentioned, Mr. Matthew Fox will be joining me. We will do a little Joker talk here right off the top, as he went and saw it Saturday. You know that I went and saw it Friday night. Me and Dennis talked about it a little bit. Matt has a little bit of a different opinion than I do on the movie, so we're going to get his thoughts, and then we're going to jump right into breaking down seven of the games from Sunday. (laughs) Sunday What's going on, Matt? Thank you so much for joining me today. How was, how was your weekend, and how did your fantasy weekend turn out for you?
1: Uh, I think my weekend was pretty good. My fantasy weekend didn't turn out too bad either. Uh, a lot of big games.
0: Yeah, so I got a. I, I went half and half here. I ended up unfortunately playing quite a couple teams with uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, Will Fuller stacks, which uh, did not work out well for me at all. But I actually have Will Fuller and Aaron Jones in a couple leagues as well, which really helped me out. CMC in one, so not a bad weekend overall. Unfortunately, one of my big main leagues that I'm in, I'm just I cannot catch a break. I I, I literally have played the highest scoring team every single week, and it is. Absolutely killed me outside of the one week I was the highest scoring team. So it has not been fun for me. I talked about it in the intro though. Me and you discussed a little bit Saturday after you saw the movie. Everybody heard um, my take and Dennis's take on the Joker movie. We talked about it Thursday, the last time we uh, we were on together and recording. Have not got a chance to get your opinion out there yet, so go ahead and give our listening audience the, the movie buff that you are, your opinion on, on the Joker movie, which you saw Saturday.
1: Well, I think uh, it's going to be a movie that sticks out to people because of uh – pretty incredible lead performance uh but i i thought it was uh it was a decent movie but not quite as great as i was hoping anyway i i i had thought prior to going to the movie that it might be in the race for best picture um i guess it still could be seems to be a lot more controversial uh than what it looked like it was going to be early on uh, i didn't like it quite as much as a in general as a movie as i thought but I would I might but I thought Joaquin Phoenix was really good
0: yeah I would say that's probably the one thing that we agreed on is that he was phenomenal I did agree with uh we talked a little bit about you saying that it's probably going to cost him uh, a chance of getting a lot of awards due to how controversial the movie is I I could honestly see that as well Uh, I thought he was phenomenal I thought he made the the entire movie I mean I don't think it's possible without his performance being as good as i thought it was or how much i liked it i know we went back and forth a little bit on some of our thoughts on the movie but all in all i feel like it's definitely something i believe you said it was something worth watching like i do think it's something at least watching once i don't know um you know i'll probably go back and see it again maybe a couple times we'll see i don't i don't Usually don't go back and watch movies multiple times unless it it really does depend on the movie. Uh, But it's definitely worth watching. I'm glad that you liked it for the most part, though, because it was, as you said, very controversial. I've been kind of torn on uh, what some people think about it. I've had other friends who really loved it, some people who hated it. So it's really been uh, something actually you touched on Thursday before uh, on the Thursday episode we did was that you saw a lot of people that there was almost like no middle ground. It was either you liked it or you hated it. So... Is interesting to see that. I'm interested to see how it kind of plays out over the next couple of weeks as well on, on how much uh, how much people continue to go see it and everything and then where other people start to land on it if maybe that changes people's opinions at all.
1: Yeah, I, I think it'll be uh, – it'll be interesting to see where it ends up, um, but – Definitely for one of those movies that uh, that has a lot of fans, it also has a lot of people that are detractors. I think I told you I saw one uh, clip from one of the top critics when I was looking uh, at Rotten Tomatoes when I was doing my Fantasy Movie League article that said the greatest disappointment in film in 2019 is here. Yeah. Uh, kind of struck me a little bit how split people are
0: yeah which I mean again, I could see. I know you talked about um when we talked a little bit uh, about some of the possible like political stuff with the movie and everything, and then there was other people who didn't i like I for instance didn't even really think about any of that didn't look at any of that for the movie. other people are seeing that there's other people that had issues with um Obviously, making him into a sympathetic character and all this other stuff. So, it's definitely controversial, but I think we both agree it's at least something worth watching once. Even if you don't want to go see it in theaters, you know, wait for it to come out video on demand or in Redbox or something, rent it for a night. Because, in my opinion, his performance alone is worth giving it at least one watch, and then you can kind of make up your own mind what you thought about the movie. Yeah. All right. With that being said, let's jump in and talk about seven of the games from Sunday. We eating all day, bruh! I'm hitting you every time. Every time you come as well, I'ma hit you. I'm not gonna be able to do that! You don't want- All right, we're going to kick it off with the first game on our list, which was the Minnesota Vikings and the New York Giants. Um, not really a close game. Uh, Vikings kind of got, I was going to say, ran away with it. Well, they did run away with it. They also threw the ball quite a lot in this one, which a lot of us expected after all of the complaining by Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. Kirk Cousins, 22-27 for 306 yards Two touchdowns, both to Adam Thielen, finishing his QB9 on the week with 30.4 points. Of course, after I drop him, he finally decides to go off. Dalvin Cook, 21 carries, 132 yards, adds 86 yards on six catches to finish his RB4 on the week with 25.8 points. Adam Thielen, wide receiver, 5 on the week with 33.5 points, 130 yards on seven catches and two touchdowns. Stephon Diggs, a lot of controversy around him, which we'll get to in a minute. Wide receiver, 49, 7.4 points, 86 yards on six catches. So I'm sorry, 44 yards on three catches. Only got four targets in the game. So the Vikings did end up passing the ball a little bit more than they had the past couple weeks. Still ran the ball a lot with Cook, and he continues to dominate. So I don't see why you would move away from that to begin with. Before we get on to the Stefan Diggs discussion, do you think this is the start of them passing more or just a way to kind of calm Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs down, get them to stop complaining, and then they're going to move back to a more run-heavy offense?
1: Well, I think, uh, first of all, I I'm not sure Diggs really had a good enough game that it would have calmed him down that much. Four targets, three catches, 44 yards. I actually thought he was going to do um, better. One of the I saw a few sit-start questions about Thielen and Diggs. And my comment was, if not now, when, the Giants are not really noted for having much of a secondary at all. Um, And especially with all the complaints coming into this game, you figure that they were going to make some kind of a concerted effort to pass better. I don't think uh, this really necessarily tells us much one way or the other. It was an okay game, but not an incredible game. They were still trying to run the ball a lot, still 34 Uh, Rush attempts in this game versus only 27 passes. They just found a little bit greater success the real Problem they've had early in the season isn't always that they aren't trying to throw the ball though week one only 10 pass attempts uh, They weren't trying to throw a lot. It's when they have tried to throw the ball a lot. How successful have they been Uh, and that's You know, that's still a question was Kirk Cousins more confident Trying to squeeze balls into windows because he was playing the Giants. Would he try the same thing against Green Bay? Would it be successful against the Green Bay or Chicago? Those are still open questions. I mean, he only had a QBR of 69.9. Uh, so, not, it was a fine day, but not an $83 million man day.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, on Stefan Diggs, you kind of brought that up. I'm with you. I don't think that he necessarily had a great day. However, it is also kind of hard to have a great day when you're only targeted four times on the entire day. A lot of people are worried that that has something to do with the fact that he either has or hasn't asked for a trade. But there are definitely rumors out there, as we talked about a little bit the other day. He even bringing up the fact uh, that he said there's truth to every rumor. I mean, we don't really know what that means. He did say after the game that Winnie cures everything, but then winked uh, at some reporters who they all think that he's not necessarily uh, happy with his performance and everything. I mean, what I, – I, I know we talked about this last week, but uh, I just – I don't know what we can do with Diggs at this point, except for possibly move him to your bench. He's already kind of fallen yep. down into that flex territory. He He's not a wide receiver, too, where most people drafted him. But, I mean, is there any way that you, I, I can't imagine you're cutting him in a redraft league because he still has the talent.
1: Yeah, I'm not cutting him. Um, and, you know, you, you're going to have weeks. Last week,
0: uh, about the time
1: that we had written him off for dead, he got seven for 108. I just don't think there's a great consistency there. There's not a great consistency, apparently, anywhere in the Minnesota pass offense. I mean, Thielen, 7 for 130 and two TDs, it looks incredibly great. He only had eight targets, so he was incredibly efficient, too. Yeah. And I saw a couple of the catches he made uh, that were contested uh, that could have, you know, if you're playing a slightly better secondary, maybe that ball gets knocked away, maybe that ball doesn't even get thrown. So, like I said, I my response pregame had been, for both those guys, if not now, when, based on the matchup and the situation, and what I saw was not exactly encouraging. And I think if you're a Diggs owner, you know, it's hard to know what to do. I definitely am not cutting him, but I'm also not starting him with any confidence. As we come to bye weeks and stuff, I guess he'll work his way back into lineups, and, you know, you just have to hope for one of those seven for 108 or that he catches one for 40 in a touchdown. But that seems to really be it right now. He's a boomer bust flex option.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, like I said, you can't, I don't, I I was kind of uh, asking cutting him facetiously. You're not going to cut him. He's just too talented. That being said, I I would not be surprised, or I I shouldn't say surprised, surprised the wrong way. I would seriously consider moving him to my bench. So, for instance, just using one of my leagues, I have a redraft league, Where I decided to start him in the flex spot yesterday and decided to sit DJ Chark. That was more because I thought Bradbury would be on him, and Bradbury, in my opinion, is still one of the best cornerbacks in the league. So that's why I sat him. And obviously, that ends up being a bad decision on my part because, I mean, DJ Chark goes off and has a phenomenal game, and we saw exactly what we got out of Stefan Diggs, and it was god awful and horrible. So. For me, I I mean, I feel like going forward, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to go ahead and start DJ Chark every week and it's going to be Stefan Diggs fighting to get into my lineup. And I feel like that's kind of where everybody has to go to now at this point with them. Just because we don't know, as you point out, what's going to happen with this offense that has just not been consistent enough uh, to really entertain I would say playing these guys every week. It's not last year. It sucks to think of too, because both these guys caught a hundred passes last year. So it's insane to think that two guys who were catching a hundred balls last year and putting up the points who were again, they were both top 12 wide receivers. And in a year that not a lot of people thought was going to be like that because this was for Kirk Cousins first year in the offense. And everybody thought the offense would grow even more. I do think some of that has been hindered for them because of how good Dalvin cook has been. If Dalvin cook was out there rushing the ball 20 times and only getting like 80 yards they probably would not be running him as much as they are, but the fact that he's getting over 100 yards every single game and that he is taking work away from them in the receiving game as well as much as he's getting passes, like, I, I, I don't remember. No, I talked about it with Dennis on Friday. Coming into the game this week, I'd imagine Thielen, I know Thielen passed him, or maybe he didn't actually, but uh, through the first four weeks of the season, Dalvin Cook had been targeted more than Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs combined up until that point. And he got six more catches yesterday. Adam Thielen got seven, so he only caught in by one. So they're really leaning on Dalvin Cook in this offense, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. I still think Adam Thielen needs to be played because he definitely seems to be the go-to guy for Kirk Cousins when it comes to the passing game. We saw it in week one when they were really run heavy. He still threw the ball to Adam Thielen. So I still think he's the go-to guy in Diggs. Unfortunately, now it's like the third fiddle in this offense. It's Cook, Thielen, and then Diggs. On the Giants' side, Daniel Jones, 21-38, 182 yards, one touchdown, one interception, finishing as QB 19 with 17.7 points. Uh, We saw Wayne Gallman get knocked out really early in this game, just 14 carries on two yards. So Jonathan Hillman comes in, the rookie. He gets you 20 yards on nine carries, finishing as RB... Uh, 52 on the week with 3.4 points. Darius Slayton gets a touchdown on this one. Wide receiver, 16, 16 16.2 points. 62 yards, 4 catches, and a reception. Sterling Shepard would have ended up having a much better day than what shows on the record here. A couple bad throws by Daniel Jones and a drop by Shepard. 49 yards on 5 catches, catches finishing as wide receiver, 37 with 9.7 points. Evan Ingram, tight end 10 with 10.7 points in this one. Finishing with 42 yards on six catches. And then Golden Tate, 13 yards on three catches. So Sterling Shepard is now in the concussion protocol. Looks like he's probably going to miss this coming week. They play Thursday night against the Patriots. There's a very small chance he passes all of the test and concussion protocol stuff before Thursday. So right now I'm saying it's pretty safe to say Sterling Shepard will not be playing Thursday night. However, as I stated, he could have had a much better game. Daniel Jones overthrows him in the end zone. He has to make kind of like a circus catch, uh, gets one foot down, doesn't get the other one down. Had he, it had been a phenomenal catch. And then a the second time in the end zone, Daniel Jones hit him. He had a defender behind him, kind of hitting at him, everything, but he should have came down with the ball, in my opinion. So Shepard had a chance for two touchdowns. The good news for the Giants is, though, we could see Saquon Barkley back on Thursday. There was a lot of talks that he might have played Sunday. They didn't play him. He he looks to be okay. They've been posting videos of him cutting and doing this and that on the field. Uh, Pat Shermer came out earlier today and said there's a possibility he plays. It looks like they're leaning toward trying to get him out there Thursday night. How much do you think this could bolster this Giants offense if Barkley's able to play on Thursday? And what was your takeaway from this offense on Sunday?
1: Well, the Giants, I know there was a lot of love affair with Daniel Jones. He had a couple of good games to start, but I thought the Giants were going to struggle in this one. Vikings, uh, much better defense uh, than anything that they faced. I think we've seen Tampa Bay doesn't really have a defense, and the Redskins are a hot mess. So this was always going to be a little bit more of a challenge. He was okay. Uh, Better days will probably come, although not Thursday night when they're playing the Patriots. Uh, I'll be curious. It will be nice to see Daniel Jones with Saquon Barkley because we haven't really seen uh, that together. I'd be curious to see what that offense looks like. You know, at some point in time, it'd be nice to see the Giants offense with all of its pieces there at the same time. It uh, doesn't sound like we're going to get that this week with uh, Shepard probably in the concussion protocol and not coming back. And I think we're, there's even bigger chance we're going to see Saquon Barkley because Gallman also got a concussion, probably won't come back. Um, but, you know, it's going to be a tough test against New England. Um, I still think it's good growing for Daniel Jones. Uh, he's, he's looked okay. Um, they still have offensive line issues, too. He got hit quite a bit. Um, they couldn't get any traction going on the running game. 20 carries for 64 yards isn't really
0: going to get it done. Yeah. So
1: there's still work to be done in New York.
0: Yeah, and I, I think, obviously, Barkley coming back could help him. We've seen, as, as you said, he's looked fairly good. So far, it was a a tough test for him. Vikings defense, extremely good. He doesn't have, you know, the offensive line around him. I'm sure that the Giants would like. Uh, Shepard did play most of that game before coming out at the end there. Uh, Having Ingram, obviously, it would be great to see him with all of his weapons, which hopefully we'll get to see next week if Barkley does come back. Hopefully he doesn't get injured. I, too, am, am excited to see what Barkley can do. Because we've already seen there's been a little bit more production and upside with this offense since Daniel Jones has come in there. Which I think it actually helps Barkley more with him being there than Eli Manning. The next game on the list here is between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, What ended up being a very thrilling game. uh, One that I was paying very close attention to. Jaguars 27, Panthers 34. Gardner Minshew goes 26 to 44, 374 yards and two touchdowns, but does get three fumbles in this one, finishing finishing his QB seven with 31.66 points. Leonard Fournette, 108 yards on 23 carries and one touchdown, does add 29 yards on four catches to finish his RB5 on the week with 25.2 points. DJ Chark, the Chark attack balls out again, 164 yards on eight catches and two touchdowns to finish his wide receiver four on the week with 36.4 points. D.D. Westbrook, wide receiver, 19, with 15.2 points. 82 yards on seven catches. And then James O'Shaughnessy, I was getting ready to talk about this guy as a possible tight end replacement if you needed a filler for bye weeks coming up here. 57 yards on three catches to finish his tight end. 12 on the week with 8.7 points. However... He got hurt in this game, and it turns out he tore his ACL. He will be out for the remainder of the season. That sucks. Was really hoping that the Irish legend could be a decent pickup for many. Uh, I was getting ready to tout him. Uh, we I had that on the show sheet before I saw the news, and then had to go back in and change it. Uh, Minshew struggled in this one, as I said, three crucial fumbles that really allowed the Panthers to get in this game and end up winning it, yet had three chances at the end of the game with multiple uh, untimed down penalties for them to win it, just couldn't make it happen. That Panthers defense was, was rushing him all day long, giving him fits. The big question for me, uh, and I didn't even put it on here, we'll talk about Leonard Fournette as well, DJ Chark. We, we, I know we've talked about it before. I want to really get into it here. A lot of people thought D.J. Westbrook was going to be the guy and the main guy in this offense. I don't know if it's because Gardner Minshew worked with D.J. Chark on that second string and everything before they before he became the guy with Nick Foles going out or what. Those two seem to have an amazing chemistry. Is D.J. Chark the number one in Jacksonville now, and he's someone that must be started every single week for you? <laughs>
1: Um, I think he's the number one in Jacksonville. I think what we've seen the last two weeks, too, is they have a whole lot of receivers. and It was hard to tell exactly what the rotation and the targeting structure was going to be. It seems like Shark is the top and Westbrook is a pretty safe one that's getting quite a few targets. If you look at yesterday, both of those guys got 11 targets. Nobody else got more than... Well, I guess Fournette got seven, but if you were taking him out, nobody else got more than four, and that was O'Shaughnessy at the tight end. So I think at least we're getting a, a more clear picture of getting a little separation. Um, I think Chark has just been more efficient and more explosive, too. He seems to be coming up with some of these big plays. I mean, he and Westbrook each had 11 targets. He caught eight of them for 164 yards. Um, that's some... Pretty incredible production. Uh, I think you are starting him. I don't know if I feel completely confident he's a wide receiver, too, from week to week. I guess we'll have to see how this uh, Jacksonville offense is going to go. Like last week, he didn't exactly put up incredible receiving numbers. Um, They leaned really Heav- heavily into Leonard Fournette. Fournette had a good game here. It was kind of a more high-scoring back-and-forth game, so I think that gave a little more room. Uh, but certainly, he seems like the one uh, that has been the most consistent. It kind of it feels a little bit like a you know a poor man's version of the Rams in some ways, where we've seen a few different receivers come in there, but we we really feel like Cooper Cup is the one that you can most most bank on. Right. He seems to be. To be getting the most steady floor, I feel like Chark is kind of emerging from the pack here in Jacksonville in somewhat the same way.
0: Yeah, so so what I would say on on last week was uh, I went back and looked at it, and and Harris was on Chark about seventy to eighty percent. I think it was like seventy six percent of the time. So I feel like that might have had to do something with why he wasn't that productive, as, as we've talked about. You being a Broncos fan, Chris Harris is phenomenal cornerback, one of the best in the league. I don't expect a second-year player to be able to get the best of Chris Harris. He still had, I think it was like six points, uh, but not 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 what we've seen out of him, obviously. I do think he's also kind of turning into the red zone threat with his size and, and hand and the way that he's able to tor- torque his body in any way that he needs to to catch the ball. We saw an amazing catch on the sideline yesterday that a lot of people thought went out of bounds. Now, and the one thing I'll say for him moving forward as well is he has a ton of phenomenal matchups. So this week, they have the Saints... Likely, if they're gonna, if they go anything like what the Broncos did in putting Chris Harris on him, that means Marshawn Lattimore is gonna be on him. I think Marshawn Lattimore probably gets the best out of that matchup most of the time. I, I don't imagine Chark beats him, but again, a touchdown gets your day for him, especially if you're playing him in the flex. But then after that, you got the Bengals, Jets, Texans, Colts, Titans. Uh, Titans would be the next one that I'd be a little bit worried about because the Jets, Texans, and Colts, especially Colts with the injuries they have in that secondary right now, all have struggling secondaries. So I think for me, Chark is a guy I'm firing up right now and feeling good about. it. If you don't want to throw him in your wide receiver two spot, I think he's easily a flex starter every single week right now. Leonard Fournette. I mean, this has been – he's looked really good this season. Is it time to start believing again in Leonard Fournette and what we've seen? Or do you still think this might be a little bit of fool's gold with him?
1: I I think he has looked uh, really good. They're committing to the run. Um, Last week I thought – he took advantage of uh, some pretty poor defense. Denver had some injuries in the second half, which opened it up. He had a couple of big plays. Interestingly, uh, they came out today, and so the NFL confirmed that Von Miller got held at the point of attack on Fournette's huge 81 yard run last week. Um, oh, wow. So I thought kind of interesting. I got to love the NFL. I don't know why they bother uh, coming out and telling us that they missed yeah. penalties weeks after. It's not like it changes the game. Um, but, you know, I, he's always had talent. Questions have been sometimes attitude, sometimes offense, sometimes health. Um, but I like the way they're using him. He had supposedly recommitted in the off season uh, and come back. Um, you know, I think you were probably starting him based on where you drafted him anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I like what I've seen. They're going to play some tough defenses. I thought Carolina has been a pretty uh, tough defense. They bottled up some big running backs. So to the the performance yesterday was uh, probably stood out to me more than some of the other weeks we've seen Fournette run.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, I think like to the the buy low window on him is now over with as well. With another huge game for him, but uh, I, I think he's back now too. So if he's a guy that you you've been you know, hoping and praying on for Dynasty the past couple years. I think this is finally his shot, uh, which is interesting, too, because this is really his contract year. If he does good this year, chances that Jaguars, I would imagine they probably don't franchise tag him, but they can decide to pay him or he can go somewhere else. So this is a big year for him. Uh I think for, for me, really, the only thing I see holding him back is if he gets injured. We do know he has an injury history. I hope that he doesn't, because I'd love to see what a full, healthy season of Fournette turns into. Speaking of Leonard Fournette, the guy that got drafted right behind him in almost every single rookie draft that year was Christian McCaffrey, and my God, this dude has been on fire this year. I think he is easily, after the performance we saw Sunday night between the Colts and Chiefs, is the NFL MVP at the moment. RB2 on the week with 47.7 points, 176 yards on 19 carries and 2 touchdowns, added 61 yards on 6 catches and a touchdown. Has been absolutely phenomenal so far this season. I cannot... I really hope he doesn't get any kind of injury or anything because this offense is being filtered completely through Christian McCaffrey. And he is carrying them to a season that I hoped and thought that they would have. And they're doing it without Cam Newton, which is insane to me. Kyle Allen that came in at QB 18 with 17.8 points, uh, 181 yards and a touchdown, 17 of 30. We saw... Uh, uh, McCaffrey cramped up at the end of that game and we saw, I, I really don't know how to say his last name, Reggie Bona Bonafon, uh, uh, come in and actually looked fairly good, had one, pretty much 60 yard touchdown run, 80 yards, five, uh, carries in one touchdown he's a guy if you own Christian McCaffrey uh, not necessarily in a redraft league, because I can't imagine a lot of people are going out there to get him but in a dynasty league if he's available I would pick him up just in case McCaffrey does get hurt or they start to sit him toward the end of the year a lot of people thought it might end up being um, my goodness I forgot what Elijah Holyfield or Jordan Scarlett who they both got from the drafts this year undrafted rookies um, but it looks like Bonifant has really kind of taken over as that backup role there to McCaffrey. A guy I would definitely roster if you have McCaffrey in a dynasty league, uh, just in case uh, something happens to him, or if down the stretch if they end up do making it toward the playoffs and they want to rest him a little bit. A guy. That looks like he can carry the load for McCaffrey. On the receiving side, DJ Moore stepped up and had a good game. 91 yards on six catches coming in as wide receiver 20 with 15.1 points. And Curtis Samuels struggled in this one. Uh, after starting off pretty hot, a couple of good runs uh, and a couple passes, I really liked what I saw out of him, but did not do much after that. Wide receiver 50 on the week with 7.4 points, just 19 yards on three catches. And as I said, 25 yards on the two runs. They've looked good. I know we kind of uh, were were split on them when we did our season preview stuff. You did not think that they were going to be that good. I I was really buying into the weapons, and it does seem like Kyle Allen is getting the most out of these weapons. And again, against a a good Jaguars defense, I know they didn't have Jalen Ramsey. uh, But with what you saw, I mean, do you trust kind of – or what are your thoughts? I don't even want to say trust. What are your thoughts on Moore and Samuel? Because I kind of feel like they're really – everybody's kind of getting really divisive on these two. Now we all liked him coming into the season. We don't know when Cam Newton's coming back at this point. So how much trust or how much do you like uh, more in Samuel in this offense with Kyle Allen?
1: To me, they're kind of low end flex options. You know, I was thinking um, this really has been a credit to uh, Ron Rivera. I think we underestimate him sometimes as a coach uh, and what he can do. I, I got a, greater appreciation. Carolina Last year's Carolina team was kind of the all-or-nothing team yeah. on uh, on Amazon Prime this year, and I thought that was a really kind of fascinating window into him and into their process. But Christian McCaffrey is really carrying this team. He sort of reminds me of 2016 David Johnson. He's not only their best running back and dominating on the ground, he's their best receiver, too. Uh, and you get some of these other guys will have Good games here and there. Um, but, you know, McCaffrey leads them in targets most weeks. You know, he did yesterday, nine targets. He's uh, usually up there around their best receiver. Um, Moore was very efficient yesterday, catching six of eight targets for 91 yards. Pretty good. Samuel feels like he's more of the deep ball guy. Um, and then you have Greg Olson. What a fascinating season he's had. It was like a couple weeks ago, I think. He had two touchdowns, Look like, oh, you know, Olsen's back to being Olsen. Yeah. Last week, no, this week, zero catches on two targets. I mean, it, it, this offense, beyond Christian McCaffrey being running back one, you know, probably running back one period, there's a lot of talk yeah. about whether he will be the top pick next year. I think he's making a pretty strong case. Only been five weeks, though. So. You know, beyond that, I don't know how you feel real confident doing any of the offensive pieces on Carolina and being confident about what you're going to get.
0: Yeah, I think at this point, and, until we see more of it again, we got to also remember this is only like Kyle Allen's third game, I think, in the NFL. He played one game last year. So, I mean, we also have, might need to give him a little bit more time to to be able to open up the offense more, where we are relying on him to do a whole lot, not having started a ton of games. Not everybody can be old Gardner Minshew coming in there. So uh, I, I do think that they could turn around. But at this point, if you have more in Samuel, you, you've maybe – if you have the depth, you're benching them, or if you're putting them in, it's as you said, low end flex options, and just hoping for that touchdown to really kind of break it out again. Moore didn't have a touchdown, but still ended up with a good day. I was trying to find a poll. Okay, so I actually posted a poll uh, about a week ago. Uh, me and a friend of mine were having a, a serious discussion about who you would take at running back if you were, uh, if uh, if you were an ex- if you were Appointed GM of an expansion team, not fantasy, just NFL, an expansion team in the NFL, and your, you know, owner of the team came down and said, "Hey, I need you to draft one of these running backs." And so I put just the top four, the ones that everybody talked about. I said, on the field and off the field considerations, everything, take everything into account. Who would you take? Saquon Barkley, Zeke Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, or Alvin Kamara? Did you happen to see how that uh, how that vote went or turned out? I did not. Okay, who would you take out of those four if you had to pick one? McCaffrey. Okay, so he actually finished second, which I was surprised. I was a hundred percent sure that Zeke was going to finish second in that poll, and then that's my what? argument because yeah. I-, I think Zeke is a lot better than people are getting credit for. But he finished second with thirty-two percent. Barkley got fifty. Kamara got fifteen, and Zeke got just three percent, which I thought uh, was insane. So I would say.
1: The big difference there, Ezekiel Elliott, um, well, it's not like he's a bad receiver. He does not really seem to be uh, a consistent receiver or a consistent part of the Dallas passing attack. If right. If you look at the other three, they're not only clear-cut number ones at running back, they're also pretty high up there, like 1-2, In the team's passing hierarchy yesterday, you saw Dak Prescott again go over 400 yards, and Elliott, I think, caught two or three passes for 26 yards. I'm going to have to look it up. But I think that is where you're looking at a difference. In today's NFL, and people, you know, especially on Twitter now, people have a really hard time separating um, what they think of for fantasy uh, uh, from what they are thinking of in terms of real. Well, it's that. That three-down, all-inclusive pass-catching back that is what everybody wants. And I think that's why you're seeing somebody, Ezekiel Elliott's great. He can win you a week, depending on usage. But he doesn't seem to be that guy that's also going to catch. You know, McCaffrey yesterday got six passes for 61 yards and a touchdown. That's 12 points through passing alone. Zeke can do it. It seems like a bigger long shot that's going to happen.
0: Yeah, so I'll just give my argument on Zeke here real quick. I don't want to, to go off on a whole tangent here. My my point was that I do think Zeke is is better in the receiving game than he gets credit for. Going into this year, I mean, the the years prior we had Scott Linehan calling the offense, which we know he was very much an old-school kind of guy. He really only used the running backs as more of a, a running type of player. They did not do that much in the receiving game. A lot of people seem to forget... He got 77 catches last year. I mean, that's a lot for a running back. I mean, it's not CMC, it's not Barkley, but it's still a lot of catches. He had 500 yards on top of that, 567 yards in the receiving game. And and my argument was, while Christian McCaffrey is clearly the better receiver, I'm not going to argue that. I don't think Zeke is that much of a step down. Is he a step down? Yes, but he's not a big step down. I think it's CMC, Barkley, then Zeke if you were to talk about receiving ability. My biggest difference is, and although uh, Christian McCaffrey kind of, I guess, in a way proved that wrong yesterday with how much he ran the ball, Zeke, in my opinion, is by far the best runner of those three. He can run it outside, inside. He can run you over. He can get by you. He has that home run speed. He can juke it, where CMC... Yes, he's a great phenomenal he, he he can juke it and he can run by you, but he's not running up the middle. Most of the times he gets hit, he's coming down. Barkley as well, I think as much as I love Saquon Barkley, I'm the biggest fan of that kid he does struggle running the ball a little bit. He 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 gets you a lot more points in his receiving game than he does running the ball. Now, once he hits a hole, he's gone. He's got that home run speed as well, and he is extremely elusive, uh, but he does struggle at times running the ball. I do think he's going to get better with that with experience. He is still very young. Zeke's been in the league a lot longer, so he kind of has that veteran experience. So that was, that was my biggest argument. I wasn't trying to say Zeke is like a million years at, or light years ahead of Christian McCaffrey, but for me, if I had to have a back that could do it all, I do think Zeke could do it all. He's just not asked to do that in that offense. And I think it's the same thing now with Kellen Moore. My my biggest argument against the Cowboys yesterday uh, was that they were just trying to do too much, and they stopped filtering the ball through Zeke. And, and I know that Dak had a good game, but realistically, if you go back and look at the first three quarters – the Cowboys did absolutely nothing against the Packers. They got a lot of garbage time production and made that game look a lot better than it was. But we'll save that, that talk for tomorrow because, as I mentioned to you offline, i got to get into some Amari Cooper talk because he's he's just really starting to get on my last nerve at the moment as a fantasy analyst. So the next game we have here is the Arizona Cardinals and the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cardinals pulling this one out, 26-23. Kyler Murray continues to be a top quarterback in the league, but finally does it rushing, which was exciting to see. 20-32, 253 yards in the air, 93 yards on 10 carries and a touchdown, finishing his QB8 with 30.42 points. DJ continues to do it in the air as well, running back 12, 18.6 points, 65 yards on three catches, adds 91 yards on 17 carries, to finish is again RB12. Chase Edmonds came in as his back, uh, DJ's back stiffened up on him a little bit. So Edmonds came in and got a little bit of run. 68 yards, 8 carries, and a touchdown. Actually looked fairly good. Uh, much as I talked about with Bonifant and McCaffrey, chances are, if you own DJ in a dynasty league, Edmonds is already backing him up for you. If not do everything you can to get him, uh, because back injuries do worry me a lot as well. And if this causes him to miss any times, I think Edmonds is a, a worthwhile, uh, worthwhile throw in. I think he'll he can still get you RB two numbers. Larry Fitzgerald is the last fantasy relevant player on the day. 58 yards on six catches. The Cardinals, as I said, big win. The usual suspects get all the points for you. Uh The DJ back thing, though, does that worry you at all? It stiffened up. Uh, he was able to come back in, but this is the second time in the past three weeks we've seen DJ get knocked up a little bit, have to come out, does come back into the game. Uh, but I personally am starting to get a little bit worried about all these nagging injuries for DJ. Are you worried at all?
1: Yeah, I think you have to be, especially uh, considering that the Cardinals don't have a very great line. Um, You know, he's obviously getting beat up and hit. Uh, So I I think it's definitely a concern. Um, There was talk today from Kingsbury that Johnson may actually not be able to go this next week. So uh, I think you have to be prepared for that.
0: Yeah, that, so Edmonds, fire him up. If you're in a redraft league, um, like myself, who's going to be one of the one of the top waiver claims this week, because uh, again, my team is got uh, uh, it's just ridiculous. I'm, I'm gonna go on a whole whole thing here. Actually, we're no, we'll do the Bengals first, and then we'll touch on that. So the Bengals. QB 10 Dalton actually had a good week which was not surprising as the Cardinals defense is very suspect 27 to 38 262 yards and two touchdowns again finishing as QB 10 with 29.73 points Joe Mixon RB 26 with 11.9 points in this one 93 yards on 19 carries one catch for 16 yards. Tyler Boyd comes in at wide receiver 8 with 28.3 points in this one, 123 yards on 10 catches and a touchdown. And Auden Tate, if you ended up picking him up, he saves your day with a touchdown. Wide receiver 29, 11.6 points, 26 yards on three catches and a touchdown. I mean – for starters, I do have to apologize. Uh, on the, on the episode Friday with Dennis, we talked about how CJ Uzoma, or not CJ, Tyler Eifert was, was the play this week. Cardinals have been just god awful against the tight end. Thought Eifert would at least get a touchdown and do something here. That did not happen. Uh, I do apologize if you guys ended up picking Eifert and throwing him in there. I mean, they had been god awful. So everything said to start Eifert, yet he did not come through for you. After that though, I think, Dalton, he's a sit. I, I don't think you can play him anymore. I suggested some people play him on Sunday when I did some some dynasty nerd stuff uh, talking about who who uh if if you should start Dalton but tough matchups ahead, Ravens, Jaguars, Rams, uh and then the Ravens again. So Dalton, this was just a, a great matchup for him and the Cardinals. I do think Boyd and Mixon though, moving forward are the only two players I'd be willing to start every week. Uh did do, do you agree with that or would you start anybody else on this offense?
1: I think Boyd's the only one I'd feel consistent about. I mean, if Mixon was ever going to have a week where he went off, you'd think it would be against the Cardinals, who functionally have no defense. 19 for 93 and one catch for 16 yards is fine, but not that great. Another reason to fade Dalton is there seems to be persistent rumors that A.J. Green is not going to come back and play for them, but is going to get traded. So I think Auden Tate... um, Definitely have to pick him up. It looks like he could end up being wide receiver too for them for quite some time.
0: Yeah, the the rumors are that he's going to get traded to, or at least the last one that I saw, I know you posted it as well on Twitter, is the team we're talking about in a minute. The 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 tirade that I want to go off on here, and I'm really starting to worry about this, it might be something we can dive deeper into on Thursday. I really think it's time to start forgetting about the names on the back of the jerseys and just start looking at what's going on this year. For me personally, and I would like to see if you agree with this, it really seems like this has been a weird year for fantasy. We talked on – Thursday last week, me and you about the, the stay or slide about some of the players that have been up in the top of scoring, which we have not seen. We're used to seeing certain names up there, and we're not seeing them anymore, and I feel like that's part of my problem. I have a lot of players, you know, the likes that we've seen blow up in the past few years. Uh, you know, Stephon Diggs, Sony Michel's is another guy that I'll, I'll talk about uh, because I have him as well, and these guys are just not doing it this year and and people like me are continuing to trust in them be like you know what I'm gonna keep playing them because it's gonna happen eventually meanwhile we're seeing other guys like John Ross for the first couple of weeks DJ Chark every single week I'm trying to think of someone else off the top of my head who's just been going off that like well Dalvin Cook was more because of injury that got drafted late but Cooper Cup same thing in a way injury but was a guy who went in like the sixth round in some drafts and is just blowing up like I think it's time to start looking at who's actually been producing and, and start playing them and stop playing the guys just because they have that name value, if that makes sense. What, what is your thoughts just kind of on the overall craziness of the uh, of the season so far? Do you agree with me or do you think it's just maybe I'm, I'm thinking too much about that because I have a bunch of guys that are not performing?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's certainly true. I mean, just look at the last game we looked at talking about Greg Olson. There's a guy that uh, – for probably half a decade, was a no-brainer top three pick at tight end. You just pick it, set it, and forget it. Uh, and then you saw a flash of it earlier in the season, so you're tempted to just throw them out there, but you just don't know what you're going to get. Uh, you know, it's It's been a tough year. I think right now, as we've come into Week 5, now we have enough of a sample size to see what these offenses are doing right now and who they're tending to favor. And that's about the time where you really have to start getting away from you know, the love affair you had with guys all during, you know, the long winter and, and summer yeah. months and start looking at reality. And the reality is, some of the lineups you have are not going to be what you thought they were going to be. I mean, yeah. I started a 16 team league this year by taking my first two picks as Juju Smith Schuster and Stefan Diggs. I'm screwed. Oh, God. Uh, that, that's the reality. I have to play those guys every week. Yeah. I also. Uh, I had Andrew Luck and Cam Newton as my quarterbacks in that league. Oh, that sucks. Just like, you know what? I don't even feel like setting a lineup this week. Uh, You know, I'm going to throw out Kyle Allen, Carlos Hyde, and just say a quick prayer and then never look at them until Tuesday morning.
0: Yeah, so then I'm I'm just going to stay on this one because you mentioned Juju and Stephon Diggs. So my big money redraft league, I did the same thing. I started off my my team. I'll just read you like my starting lineup really quick, and you would think going into this season, I'd have a realistic shot of winning a lot of games. I would think so. Juju Smith Schuster, Stephon Diggs are my top two wide receivers. Then I had Sony Michelle and Zeke as my top two running backs. Mark Andrews at my tight end position, and then my main flex players were Robert Woods. I had Darius Geis. Uh, Christian Kirk and Devin Singletary. You also have Curtis Samuel, DJ Chark, and I p- ended up picking up Darrell Williams and and uh Jack Doyle to kind of round out my bench. And my quarterback was Kirk Cousins. So, and again, as I mentioned earlier, I dropped him because he hadn't been doing anything. I picked up James Winston, and that screwed me as well because James Winston got me 17 points. Cousins put up 30 uh, uh, on waivers. So, coming into the season, I felt Fantastic about that team. I was like, all right. Like, I've got a, a playoff team at least. I wasn't sure if it was a championship team, but a playoff team, and I'm about to go to one and four. So it's just been a horrible year, and I don't even want to get into my main dynasty league because that's just... If I were to read you my roster, you would be surprised the fact that I'm now about to go to to the same about one. I actually think I'll be two and three in that league unless Baker, Odell, and Chubb go off for like 80 points tonight, which I guess is possible, but I do not think that's going to happen. So let's get back back on track here before I end up just quitting fantasy altogether. I'm I'm getting closer and closer to uh, retiring.
1: What's up? We've talked – for years people have talked about – you know conventional wisdom is you don't want to draft until the 3rd or 4th week of the preseason so that you can yeah. get a sense of teams more and more preseason is a, a complete farce for all these teams they're not yeah. playing any so it's really it doesn't matter when you're drafting anymore you have to Be aggressive and play the waiver wire and be prepared to adjust because, you know, I heard a lot of talk the last few weeks on NFL radio that the first three or four weeks of the regular season are now giving us a picture of these teams the way preseason used to do. So I think it's just a a shifting adjustment we're going to have to make. Sean McVay hasn't played a meaningful player in preseason in two years, and I don't think he's about to start.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. Maybe that changes in a couple years. I know there's a lot. There was a lot of talk about them expanding uh, the regular season games and and possibly shortening to maybe two preseason games. Maybe if they do that, you see starters out there a little bit more. uh, But something that you they, it seems like a lot of teams are moving towards those joint practices, and they seem to play a lot more of stuff there uh, and don't necessarily use the preseason games. So yeah, I agree with you. I feel like. What it's going to lean to, at least for me, is I'm going to go more into players that I feel like are more proven and kind of stick with them, and not necessarily take guys that I think have upside or injuries like Sony Michelle. I still think Stephon Diggs, like Juju, you know, a guy that we both drafted. I really think that is just because of their injury to Big Ben, though, because even though he didn't play great those first two games, we still saw plenty of flashes from him. We've still seen flashes, but when you don't have Big Ben running that offense, you're not going to get the production out of him you expected because you, you expect him to throw the ball a ton with Big Ben. That's just not going to happen with backup quarterbacks in there. With Diggs, I still don't think that was a bad call because, as we talked about earlier, I mean, the dude had a hundred catches last year. You didn't, nobody expected, at least not, nobody that I saw or listened to expected them to go into like a, a 80-20 run, run pass split. Like you, you would expect it to probably be closer to 50-50 and it's just not. Now maybe that changes as the season goes on because you don't want to completely just destroy Dalvin Cook, especially if you expect to make the playoffs. But right now it's definitely not working out for you or me in, in owning Juju and Stephon Diggs uh you mentioned AJ Green uh, and the the trade rumor possibilities one of the teams that is looking to acquire him went to 4 and 1 on the on the season and that was the Buffalo Bills winning 14 to 7 over the Tennessee Titans Josh Allen continues to show us that when he is healthy and out there, he is a QB1, 23-32, 219 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, added 27 yards on the ground, QB11, 27.2 points. Frank Gore struggled in this one, finishing his RB33 with 8.9 points, 60 yards on 14 carries. Uh, John Brown actually had a good game, which was a little bit surprising to me. I did not think that he he would do much against this Titans secondary. Seventy five yards on five catches. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie fifty two yards on two catches in this one. Cole Beasley struggled, as did Dawson Knox. Uh, Beasley twenty one yards on three catches, and Dawson Knox twelve yards on two catches. The Bills' defense uh, seems to be legit. We saw them hold the Patriots in check last week. Had a chance to win that game. I think if Allen's out there, they probably do win that game. Man, if you guys are a baseball fan, the Cardinals just tied up the Braves in the 8th. That is a big deal. Sorry, I am a big baseball fan as well. I was really hoping the Braves would pull this series out. Back to football. Brown comes through. I feel like Brown's moved into into flex-worthy every single week now. I I don't think that there's any way you can sit him. He definitely has that big play potential. We saw it uh, last week. Didn't get the touchdown, but still 75 yards on five catches. That's a good game for a flex player. Uh, I think as long as Allen's out there, if Allen's not there, I would not start Brown. As long as Allen is in your lineup, John Brown is a flex player for me. What are your thoughts on John Brown?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean – John Brown's done well. He was incredibly efficient, though. Five targets, catches all five for 75 yeah. yards. Um, so it's not like he's getting peppered in there. I, I still think it's tough. Uh, the ceiling, to me, is always going to be uh, lower for these Buffalo receivers. Josh Allen um, has proved to be a winner, um, and he's done some some good things. But that was probably why, when I retweeted the AJ Green trade rumor. It was also with the crying emoji because you know, <laughs> yeah. I have Green and I have him in a couple places. I was hoping to bring him back off of uh, off of the, the IR list, but bringing him back to Buffalo uh, did not fill me with the same sense of excitement as uh, bringing him back to an offense that turned John Ross into you know a household name. Yeah, Buffalo. You know they're a good team. I'm now coming around to the, the fact that they it feels like they seem destined to sneak into the playoffs. They are not a fun team to watch. No. Um none of their games are uh fun to watch. Uh you know, and that's you know, no knock. Sometimes you gotta win ugly. I'm a Denver fan. Our our Super Bowl fifty winning team was not fun to watch. <laughs> um but, you know, the outcome was fun. They have an incredible defense. They've really found something. I I would like to see Devin Singletary get back at some yes, point. Yes, I know. Uh, he was really developing into something, and now this think this is the third straight game he's been on ice. That might give them a little bit more dynamic uh, pop in the running game. But Tennessee really good defense too, and they were at home. Uh, we knew this was going to be kind of a low scoring slugfest. It really worked out for the Bills. Josh Allen, I think, was like a an eleventh uh, hour. Um. Yeah. Active, because I'm pretty sure on Friday, ESPN Fantasy had posted that Josh Allen was declared out for the yes. week because he was on, in this list of players that was out. So I had to adjust our Friday preview, and then Saturday night, it's like Josh Allen cleared. He's starting. I'm like, yep. here we go. Yes, way to.
0: Yeah. So that's what I was going to say. It was, it it, it honestly, it, it upset me a little bit because we talked about it. I obviously did the podcast with Dennis and we did it very late Friday night too, because he went and saw the Joker as did I. So we recorded at like, I think it was like 1030 central time. And Allen had he was ruled out. So when we did the Buffalo Bills preview, we went into it talking about Matt Barkley being the starter. And I still picked the Bills to win the game. But that's why he said he was like, I'm taking the Titans because I don't think Barkley is going to be able to get it done. And then sure enough, I actually think it was like really early Sunday morning that it came out that Allen's gonna play and I was like, wait, what? He was already ruled out. How is he gonna play now? So yeah, it was a it was crazy for that. But a good thing for Buffalo because obviously Josh Allen out there uh is dynamic. And I agree with you on Singletary. He looked phenomenal while he was out there. I think it's kind of a good thing they're not rushing him back. As as we all know, hamstring issues can linger. So maybe they're waiting for that to kind of fully get healthy before they throw him out there. As someone who owns him on a lot of leagues, I'm hoping he's finally good to go by next week because I could use him. You were talking about uh, quarterbacks who are not that uh, accurate. And Josh Allen, well, he played across from Marcus Mariota, who has that same issue. 13-22, 183 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Did have a touchdown run called back, got 13 yards on the ground to finish as QB 26 on the week with 11.8 points. Derrick Henry continues to impress though, 78 yards on 20 carries and a touchdown in this one to finish as RB 19 with 13.8 points. Adam Humphreys continues to be what looks like the most consistent wide receiver for the Titans. 30 yards on four catches to finish as wide receiver 53 with seven points. Delaney Walker gets just nothing. 10 yards on one catch. Jonu Smith, 57 on one. For me... Outside of Derrick Henry, I don't think you can start anybody on this team. I mean, A.J. Brown did have a touchdown. It was called back. I think it was a holding penalty or something like that. Uh, but I don't think you can start any of these wide receivers, Mariota, tight ends, nothing. I think it's just, for me, Derrick Henry, and then maybe their defense, depending on what kind of league you play in. I, I mean, what about you? Any thoughts on this Titans team?
1: No, that's exactly it. Derrick Henry is an RB2 with upside, and uh, I like the Titans' defense from time to time, but that's it. They're too wildly inconsistent.
0: All right, so let's jump into the Khalil Mack and John Gruden revenge game here. The Bears and Raiders in London. Bears come up short 21-24. to Chase Daniels, uh, not necessarily a good game. Dami- good game even though the stats kind of tell you it was 22 of 30 231 yards two touchdowns two interceptions a crucial interception on the last drive giving the Raiders the win QB 15 on the week with 22.94 points both Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery struggled in this one Cohen RB 29 with 10.9 points 10 yards on four carries and added 39 yards on six catches David Montgomery, 25 yards on 11 carries and one touchdown. Just one catch for 11 yards to come in at RB30 with 10.6 points. Allen Robinson, though, balled out in this one. 97 yards, two catches on seven. I'm sorry, 97 yards on two touchdowns on seven catches. RB. My goodness, I cannot speak, guys. Wide receiver, 7, with 28.7 points. And then Anthony Miller, who had actually a couple good grabs in this one. 52 yards on four catches, coming in at wide receiver, 34, with 10.7 points. Point so Khalil Mack loses his revenge game turnovers were big in this one I loved what I saw out of Allen Robinson and it reminded me that I really feel bad for this guy because he went from Blake Bortles to Mitch Trubisky I think he has like all the upside in the world could easily be a top tier uh two wide receiver but I just don't think that's going to happen with Mitch Trubisky throwing in the ball what did you think about about Allen Robinson and his game Sunday
1: yeah, I really like Allen Robinson. He's having a good season. Um, you know, at this point in time, Bears are another tough offense. I feel like Allen Robinson is the only one I feel good uh, about starting consistently. Even the running backs, it's been real tough. Yeah. Um, I love David Montgomery. I think Tariq Cohen is talented. The usage and the patterns are just not reliable right now.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to give up on Montgomery just yet. I, I do think a lot of the game script here with them being down, they were down most of this game big early. Like the, the Bears really made a comeback out. It was like late third and fourth quarter. I think that's really kind of what hindered Montgomery. Uh, up until this game, he was getting a ton of carries. Uh, so I'm not going to give up on him yet, but he's definitely not the RB2 a lot of people were drafting him as. He, he's a a middle tier flex for me right now. Uh, I do think he has an RB2 upside. But we need to see more uh, more in the running game for him. On the Raiders side, John Gruden kind of gets the last laugh here. Um, you know, traded away Khalil Mack last year actually got Josh Jacobs with one of those picks who had a phenomenal game here, finishing his RB3 on the week with 29.3 points in this one. 123 yards on 26 carries and 2 touchdowns, added 20 yards on 3 catches. Derek Carr, 25 of 32, 229, zero touchdowns, 0 interceptions. Coming in at QB 23 with 14.21 points. And then really the only receiving options that stepped up here were the tight ends, Foster Moreau and Darren Waller, who finished right... Uh, to, or They finished together. Moreau at tight end 13 with 8.6 points, getting you 46 yards on four catches. And then Waller, 39 yards on four catches, coming in tight end 14 with 7.9 points. No Tyrell Williams. He was uh, ruled out fairly early in the game. A lot of talk Friday that he wasn't going to be able to play, and that ended up happening. He, he was out... Uh, I don't really know what to think about this Raiders team, though. I was really surprised with Jacobs' performance. I did not expect him to run the ball as well as he did against the, the Bears, but they really seemed to be double-teaming Mac the entire game, which I think helped. Uh, uh, Hicks went down with a injury in this one as well on that defensive line. I don't expect Jacobs to look as good as he did Sunday. He He's not really looked good leading up till this game. I, I kind of put him in the Marlon Mack territory, a guy we'll talk about tomorrow. But for me, I think it's still just Waller and Williams. I mean, I I guess Jacobs maybe is a low-end flex. What are are your thoughts on those three guys? Uh, Has that changed for you at all with what you saw against the Bears?
1: Yeah, I think Jacobs, you have to say, is a reliable uh, start for the time being. My questions about Jacobs were whether or not he was going to hold up uh, and hit a wall later in the season because of his usage previously. But I think Oakland has a really underrated offensive line. Yeah. Uh, Derek Carr seems to be a kind of steady game manager. Um, Waller is by far the best option because of his position at scarcity. But I think Jacobs and Williams are guys that you're throwing out there too. And I mean, you never know when Jacobs is going to get. He's had two touchdown games a couple of times now in these five weeks. He's getting plenty of opportunities.
0: Yeah, that that he is... Next up, we had a game that is not at all as close uh, as the final score indicates in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints. The Bucs losing 24 to 31. On the Buccaneers side, I talked about Friday. I thought Jameis Winston could have a decent game here. It wasn't horrible. I expected more, though. 15 to 27, 204 yards and two touchdowns to come in as QB 14 with 25.21 points. Uh, Peyton Barber comes in at RB 32. With 10.10 10 points in this one, uh, my goodness, what did he get? 32 yards, a touchdown on eight carries. Ronald Jones still, I thought, looked good, but is not getting the touchdowns. Peyton Barber is getting the the red zone work, it looks like. 35 yards on nine carries for Jones. Coming in at RB40 with 7.6 points. And Chris Godwin continues to be an absolute stud. 125 yards, two touchdowns on seven Receptions. Let's talk about the good before we get to the two bad players. Ronald Jones. I talked about him Friday. I thought that he'd be a good start. Obviously, doesn't have a great day for you. I still think better days are ahead for Jones. He he's continuing to get um you know I mean he's he's out snapping up until this point. Peyton Barber, but Barber getting the red zone snaps does worry me a little bit. Chris Godwin though. We talked about it a little bit. You said that you thought he could be a wide receiver one on Thursday's episode and stay there. You thought Evans would fall out. Man, do you look like a genius right now? Because Evans got you 0. 0.0 points. Are you panicking? Are you selling Evans? What, what, what are your thoughts on him right now? Because I own him in one league and I'm, I'm just going to cut him in spite at this point.
1: I mean, I think he's too talented to cut outright. Um, you know, there's a danger when you try to say a one-for-one one comparison, but I think what we're seeing a little bit is it feels like in this Tampa Bay offense, like if we looked at the Arizona offense that, he, that Arians ran before, that Godwin has slipped into the Larry Fitzgerald in the slot role, which means Evans, who's a very talented player, He's kind of in that outside John Brown. I forget who their third wide receiver that they had that was big for a while. J.J. Uh, Nelson,
0: Nelson was there for a little bit. I don't remember who the other guys were.
1: It'll come to me when uh, when we've lost it. Uh, but he's, he's kind of in that role, and you're going to see these kind of boom – plays and games uh, you know a couple weeks ago the long ball was really working i just don't know that evans is going to be consistent and i think that that's going to be probably the frustration um the right. other thing i would say is i'm starting to feel like ronald jones is fetch for you from mean girls you know you're trying to make him happen
0: and
1: <laughs> he, it's not happening
0: day eight there's still time we are only in week five i i've liked what i've seen out of him in some runs yes yeah, some runs look bad but he has looked good at times. I really do think. I, I said this last year. I don't think Dirt Cutter was it was a very good offensive play caller there, slash head coach, whatever you want to call him. I think if Ronald Jones is actually given the keys of the car, using that uh, that old cliche saying, and is given the ability to be the every down back, I think he can be an RB two for you. He is an RB two right now for fantasy, surprising to a lot of people. They 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 seem not to look at the stats. I know he hasn't done much, and he hasn't been necessarily that consistent, but he's still an RB2 for fantasy, so that's, uh, that has to say something. I do think if he gets the, the workload, he could easily produce those numbers on a weekly basis and be more consistent. At least that's my hope. We'll see what happens. Uh, obviously, that might not happen uh, with Peyton Barber there, but Peyton Barber to me is just a guy. He is not that talented. Uh, I, I don't know why they keep going to. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. I, just, I really think that Jones needs to be given the ball more. On the Saints side, we saw Teddy Bridgewater have a fantastic game against this defense, which was really considered to be one of the better defenses so far. They hadn't really played many people, played Carolina with Cam, uh, but they and obviously had a, a shootout last week with the Rams. Bridgewater goes 26 to 34, 314 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Coming in as QB4 on the week with 41.76 points. Alvin Kamara, RB16 with 17.7 points, 62 yards on 16 carries, 42 yards on six catches. Michael Thomas balls out, wide receiver 2, 41.2 points, two touchdowns, 182 yards on 11 catches. And we saw Jared Cook finally make an appearance in this one, uh get you Uh, A decent amount of points for a tight end, or actually finishes his tight end four, so more than a decent amount of points. 14.10 points, 41 yards, a touchdown on four catches. And Ted Ginn makes an appearance, 35 yards, two two catches on, and a touchdown. We already talked about this a bunch. Um, Until Breeze comes back, really the only people you feel confident starting are Thomas and Kamara maybe the light's shining a little bit now toward Jared Cook. Are we believing in this performance, or you still need to see it for another week or two before you'd be willing to throw him back in your lineup? Yeah, I don't know if I
1: feel like consistent about that uh, right now, but uh, Bridgewater seems like he's feeling a little more confident. This is his third game uh, as a starter, so we're going to see. I would not say automatically I'm throwing uh, these other guys back in my lineup when Breeze comes back either, because first couple of games with Drew Breeze, we really only saw uh, Kamara and Thomas as steady performers, too. It could just be A case of, you know, we're going to have to get into the middle of the season when you start hitting those desperation bye weeks, which are coming where you have six, uh, six or eight teams out. You know, you might start leaning towards some players. But right now, all the thoughts we had about Latavius Murray being Mark Ingram seem a little bit premature. All the thoughts about Jared Cook being the next Jimmy Graham seem a little premature. Thomas and Kamara just keep on going.
0: Yep, I mean, those two are obviously, as you said, the only guys that you're willing to put in every single week because they are just absolute studs regardless of who is playing at that position. Uh, I I do need to see it from Cook for a couple weeks. I was someone who who bought into him. I had him still in my top 10 at tight end. I own him in a couple leagues. I do think that that's... Good for him. They did seem to kind of uh, target him a little bit more than they have most of the season. I don't know if they were just trying to get him involved or if that was uh, game plan specific, but I, I did like what I saw. But I, before I can trust him, I need to see it for at least another game or two. And as you mentioned, when Drew Brees comes back, that might change any, everything. Drew Brees looks like he might be back sooner than we all thought. There was a video released on Sunday of him already throwing the ball, so hopefully, if you're a Drew Brees owner, that means he's only a couple weeks away. Uh, I mean, if you're if you own Thomas and Kamara, you're not really worried about anything because they have been just fine in his absence. Do have a couple interesting games ahead against two really good defenses and then a couple bad games. Uh, they have the Jaguars and the Bears next, so those could be two tough games, but then after that, Cardinals, Falcons, Bucks, so three good games after that, so you're throwing those guys in, Cook, as you said, and as for me as well, a wait and see. The last game on the docket for us today, the New York Jets losing to the Philadelphia Eagles, 6-31. For the Jets, there's... Really, nobody to talk about here. Luke Falk, 15 to 26, 122 interceptions. None of their wide receivers did anything. It's all Le'Veon Bell. 43 yards on 15 carries, 45 yards on 7 catches to come in as RB17 on the week with 15.8 points. There is news that Sam Darnold might be back for Week 5. He still has to get some testing done. They need that spleen to shrink down. Uh, As he said in a press conference last week, and this is not a joke, that uh, with an enlarged spleen, if he gets hit in a certain way, he could actually die. Uh, And as he said in the press conference, He does like living, and I don't blame him for that, as we all do. Uh, So his health does come first. There's a shot that he could be out there for week five. However... I mean, for me, I don't know if I trust anybody anyways. Even when Darnold comes back, this offense just does not look right. I think Bell's the only guy I would trust. Chris Herndon can come back this week. Uh, he's a guy we talked about on Friday. Pick up off your waiver wires if he's available because he was a tight end stud last year. But would you even be willing to give Herndon a, a a shot right now with as bad as this offense looks?
1: No, I think we need Darnold to come back and needs to work his way back into it a little bit. Um you know even bell you're going to have to moderate expectations he's still uh, you know rb2 fringe rb1 because of the workload he's getting i mean seven catches for 45 you know in PPR is really going to leverage you up even if you're not getting good running yards but they they have more problems than just missing a quarterback and yeah. I, I have, people We're really hot on Twitter that it's time to fire Adam Gase. The guy's only been there for four games, but honestly, this team looks like they've taken a giant step back. This is a team that had a a lot of potential promise um, coming in, and with Gase kind of forcing the general manager out and taking over the player personnel part, um, a lot of that's going to fall at his feet, too. This is just not a team that looks very good in any phase of the game.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know if I'm someone who would say I'd fire Gase right now. I mean, he is on his third-string quarterback in Luke Falk. I mean, Trevor Simeon got his leg snapped uh, on a tackle by Miles Garrett in that Monday night game. Obviously, nobody expected Darnold to get knocked out with Mono. I think... One of their biggest issues is that offensive line. Uh, You know, there was a lot of talk about how they didn't play any preseason games. And Adam Gase was actually asked about that. And he said, well, they'll be fine. We're doing a lot in practice. And that goes kind of back to what you were talking about earlier with preseason. Clearly, they're not fine. That is by far their biggest issue. I don't know if you can put that all on Gase. I'm sure some of it – you have to put some of it because, again, we just talked about he didn't play him at all in preseason. So some of that has to go on him. I, I still would give him at least a year to see if he can do something with Sam Darnold. We we all know that he is a supposed quote-unquote QB whisperer. That's why they brought him in here to help mentor and and help Sam Darnold become a better quarterback. We can't say that he has or hasn't done his job yet because we've only seen Sam Darnold in one game. So I do feel like you've got to at least give him the season and see what Sam Darnold possibly turns into throughout the year, but it's definitely not a good start for them being 0-5. As you said, a lot of expectations there. In all honesty, we're right there with the Browns and being a team everybody thought was going to compete for the playoffs. And then we've seen that really that might that team in the AFCE might is not even might, is going to be the Bills. It's not going to be the Jets. On
1: the yeah, Eagle. fortunately, okay. they're only 0 and 4 because they had that bye week. I
0: yeah, oh I yeah, yeah you're a right. A lot
1: of those points. I wouldn't fire Gase right away, but I think the fact he's already on the hot seat is an indication this team needs more than just a quarterback to return.
0: Yeah, oh, I agree with you on that. I mean, I was someone who, when they hired Adam Gase to begin with, I was kind of scratching my head. and like, uh, okay, that doesn't even make any sense because I don't think uh, – I, I mean, Miami looks bad now. But if you go back and look at when he first took over that job in Miami, I don't think that roster was that bad, and he was not ever able to do anything with that either. So I'm not necessarily the biggest Gase fan in the world either. But as as you just said and I agree with you we give them we got to give at least give them the year I can't imagine they're gonna fire him in season, but crazier things have happened which my God reminds me of the news we haven't even talked about yet but we haven't. we're not talking about their team today but we'll address it here right at the end as we finish up our last team in the Philadelphia Eagles Carson went 17 to 29 189 yards and a touchdown coming in at QB 16 18 point3 points Jordan Howard. Comes in as running back 24 with 12.2 points, 62 yards, 13 carries, and a touchdown. Miles Sanders, RB 31 with 10.4 points, just 9 carries for 15 yards, but gets you 49 yards on 4 catches. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, wide receiver 32 with 11.2 points, 52 yards on 6 catches, and Zach Ertz, the the darling of the ball here, 57 yards, 5 catches, and 1 touchdown. Eagles offense looked good against a bad defense. Uh, this running back situation is continuing to piss me off. Uh, Miles Sanders looks good to me when he's running the ball, but they're just not giving him the ball enough. He looks phenomenal in the receiving game, so I do think he gives you some PPR value every week as a flex starter. Does seem like Jordan Howard is going to be the guy for them. Uh, Already had Doug Peterson come out and say they're going to give him more carries. Definitely the guy down in the red zone, so if you got Howard really late in drafts, I think the same thing as Sanders. He's a worthy flex play, because if he gets you those touchdowns, and the Eagles are a high-powered offense, he's going to get you points every week. Outside of those two, I think for me it's just Jeff Free and urge you can't trust uh, Nelson Aguilar at all, and we don't know when we're going to get Deshaun Jackson back at this point. So, just your overall thoughts on the Eagles before we talk about their division rival Redskins and the move they made this morning.
1: Uh, yeah, I totally agree about the Eagles. And hard to take a ton away from this game. Their defense was so dominant with ten sacks, all the turnovers, all the all the points they put up. Um, you know. They, their offense didn't need to be great, and that's why the numbers are a little bit lower than you might have expected from a blowout game.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. So the uh, let's see here they they actually have a real test here the next three or I'm sorry the next five six six weeks in a row for the Eagles. Real quick, just sort to read off the schedule. So it's definitely something you need to watch for. They have the Vikings next week, then the Cowboys, Bills, Bears, Patriots, Seahawks. And then they get the Dolphins, Giants, Redskins. So they've got a pretty tough schedule moving forward. We'll definitely get to see more out of this Eagles offense and what they're really going to be uh, within these next six weeks. All right, as I just mentioned, there was um, some news that broke. Uh, it was about 5 o'clock in the morning my time. Uh, the Redskins have decided to fire Jay Gruden. Not surprising. There's been a lot of uh, real kind of bad back and forth between them and the front office since the draft. Uh apparently Jay Gruden who is a, a football guy say what you want about him I do think he is a decent head coach he's had a lot of great offensive coordinators come out of there who have worked with him uh, and Kyle Shanahan I can't remember the others off the top of my head and Kyle Shanahan's the main one uh, that stands out but a lot of guys who have been successful in the NFL uh, and, and Jay Gruden apparently wanted to go after Daniel Jones they felt that he was more ready uh, but Daniel Snyder wanted the hometown kid uh, the kid from Maryland and Dwayne Haskins and they decided him and Bruce Allen that that's who they were going to take and ever since then it really kind of seemed to uh really kind of steer things the bad way for Jake Gruden uh, a lot of people thought he was on the hot seat anyways this year if they didn't make the playoffs which seemed unlikely with their roster that he was out anyways I was someone who I think I was actually talking about it with you that I did not think that they would fire him the Redskins uh you know, history has shown that they've only fired one coach in season. Uh, they've done it going 0-5. Just to kind of get your thoughts on on what this means for the Redskins. They bring in, uh, uh, is it Bruce Callahan, Bryce Callahan, the, the offensive line uh, coach? He's going to be the head coach now. Bill, gonna, I'm sorry?
1: Bill Callahan.
0: Okay. Uh, and he uh, – He is apparently completely different than James Gruden is going to run this ship completely different. There's a lot of talk that Dwayne Haskins might be the starter. He has already come out and said that he's not going to name a starter just yet. They do have the Patriots this week, so probably not the best team. Uh, I'm sorry, not the Patriots. They have the Dolphins this week, so a a possible win. It looks like the toilet bowl for fantasy this week with them going up against the Dolphins. Uh, What do you think this means for the Redskins this season?
1: Um, I think it means about the same thing as we saw before, and actually the story that was just uh, posted uh, not too long ago to ESPN says that Bill Callahan says they have not altered their stance on Dwayne Haskins, and he for sure will not start. Even better. Uh, Miami Dolphins. So, I mean, I thought perhaps uh, the final straw for Daniel Snyder with jay gruden was if they were going to lose might as well put out this young guy so we can see him and at least get some excitement from the fans Um, but then he gets fired and it sounds like uh, callahan's sticking to that not putting him out there either i i still think we're going to see dwayne haskins at some point the redskins are a really bad team but the quarterback is not their only tough position another interesting aspect of the Discussion with the general manager today was uh, Trent Williams. They have made no progress with him, and they are obstinate that they will not trade him. So, you know, that's a big asset. That's a big problem with their offense is not having him. They seem completely unwilling to try to get anything for him. The Redskins remain a dysfunctional franchise to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm glad that they're not throwing Dwayne Haskins out there. There was a lot of talk on sports radio all day today that that meant Dwayne Haskins was going to be thrown out there and see what, uh, what he's got. They have been adamant from the beginning that he's just not ready yet. That is something Jake Gruden said multiple times. He's just not ready to be an NFL quarterback. As someone who's a big fan of the kid, I don't want to see him just get thrown out there and kind of ruined in a way like we saw Josh Rosen. Although I also don't think this guarantees he's their future quarterback. depending on who they bring in, I would assume they're going to find a head coach that will come in and say that or say find a guy that they can pair up with Dwayne Haskins. But if we see something the Cliff Kingsbury route where he comes in and says, you know what, I want to take Tua or Justin Herbert or Jake Fromm, a bunch of these guys coming out next year, we could see Dwayne Haskins going the Josh Rosen route. So it's definitely something to watch for. But I agree with you, Redskins, really Uh Go ahead.
1: I don't think we're going to see him go that Josh Rosen route simply because, uh, you know, Rosen was an organizational pick. Dwayne Haskins, the big rub uh, where we it seemed like Jay Gruden was going to be gone even before the season started is haskins was daniel snyder's pick i think daniel snyder likes him wants him wants somebody to believe in him Um, and that's what's very interesting callahan actually went so far as to say he's not even going to guarantee that haskins will be active on game days they may just keep mccoy and keenum active wow it's going to be interesting to see how that goes Yeah, Um, because i i feel like a big part of the reason they made the move after five games in the middle of the season to boot Gruden is because they have such a poor product, and they really want to see Haskins. And this this kind of confirms that, like, hey, what Jay Gruden told you about him not being ready seems to be true. Seems to be an opinion held by a lot more than just Jay Gruden.
0: Yeah, so what we're saying is Callahan is going to be the interim head coach for about two weeks, and then we're going to get another head coach in there because he's not playing Dwayne Haskins. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you enjoy the Monday Night Football game tonight. I'm hoping that I will. Uh, I have a bad feeling that I won't, but I'm, I'm hoping for a good game tonight, and I look forward to talking to you tomorrow and breaking down the rest of the Sunday slate and the Monday Night Football game.
1: Sounds great. Have a good night.
0: Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got
1: your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came like the line already. And he's hit the end zone for an
0: unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with lead, die, lead. tackle him in the corner of Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can! <laughs> I can.